Hello, everybody. Welcome back to D-Pod. So today we have another peer episode, and today we have Mike Park. Hello, Mike. Hi. Nice. It's good welcome. to be here. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. So Mike is one of the friends that I've known the longest because we've known each other since freshman year. We're part of the same freshman small group back in Berkeley all the way back in 2007. So maybe we can just start off with some stories about like maybe our first impressions or something. Actually, my the the very first time I like register like that I can remember like being aware of Mike Park was freshman year when we had small group in the Barrows Hall basement. I remember it was like a freshman junior small group and Steve Kim, who leads our Seattle church now, like he would be there and lead, lead those times. But I remember him pulling me aside one, one day and he would tell, he told me like, Hey, you should get to know like MP over there, Mike Park. Like, you know, because like, I think, you know, you guys have potential like to become friends and you like, you know, he's one of the more spiritual guys here or something like that. And so do you, do you remember, do you remember this? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I vaguely remember. So I definitely agree with you that I think my, ev- the first time I registered a person named DP or David Park in my life was Barrow's downstairs room for one of those live group times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we talked then, but yeah. But I don't know why Pastor Steve said <laughs> we are like the spiritual ones. I have, yeah. I guess low standards. Dude. <laughs> Eunice tells me like, oh, we, we, yeah, we always thought you were going to leave or something like that. I know. Yeah, so, uh, anyway. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah do, you, do you have any like like first impressions or early impressions of me from when we were in college? Oh yeah. So I think the one of the very first and the most unforgettable impression of DP was. So I guess it was kind of a setup for you know Pastor Steve told us, hey, you should be friends. So I think we, <laughs> we tried. So we decided we're gonna we're gonna grab a meal together at Crossroads. I think it was a breakfast or something. And so we were standing in front of Crossroads. It's a dining hall. And we were waiting for one other friend. And so we were just, you know, small talking. And I found out that I am, like, older than DP. <laughs> like, by a couple of years. It's not It's not even, like, a couple of weeks or a couple of months. It's, like, two or three years, actually. Because I immigrated to America when I was 12. So, and I didn't speak any English. So I sort of lowered a grade. And there's some weird transition in that summer. So anyway, so I'm kind of old for my class and DP's young for our class because he skipped the grade and because, you know, he's really smart. <laughs> I don't know. So that, but <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I am. I'm like, I'm like ancient. I'm, I'm way older than you <laughs> compar- in comparison. So I think I said, oh, then you should call me Chang, which means older brother in Korean. It's a it's a title of respect. And to that. DP sort of, uh, he kind of towered over me, like, because he's like six foot, you know, it's like tall. And he's like, he, he, he was looking down and he said, this is America. And so, yeah, from that point on, I was like, yeah, maybe yeah, that's not going to fly. So, yeah, we, yeah, we still speak, you know, English to each other. And yeah, we're, we're just like that. Yeah. I think it oh, yeah, might have... that was definitely the uh, most memorable <laughs> first impression. That's funny. I, th- I think maybe it took a took a little bit of time for you to recover from that interaction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of was reeling from that for the next five years. Oh gosh, <laughs> I think I had a similar interaction with Sam Kim when Sam, because you know he was a junior oh, transfer, really? and I don't remember. Now it's all getting mixed up, but maybe he just like heard about that or something. <laughs> or, but I remember him like telling me like, "Oh, you should call me Hyung too," and I was like, "What the heck?" <laughs> like, <All right. laughs> yeah. Bro, what's wrong with all these Koreans? Yeah, it's not gonna fly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, not with it's me not at gonna least. Fly. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's funny, but yeah, I have a lot of a lot of memories with Mike. I remember just my overall impression just throughout undergrad was that he was just like a little bit more faithful than me, a little bit more bold than me. I think freshman year, like it was like you and like Stephen and just like like at all the freshman events and like I never showed up to anything except for like all the like required, quote unquote, required stuff like Bible study and Sunday service. So yeah, and then a memory that comes to mind right now is like junior year when there was that opportunity to sign up for Inter High because Inter High was just starting up. I remember I was a little bit like uncertain or kind of like feeling a little bit like chicken about signing up and putting some time commitment on the table for that. But then I remember it was you that signed up first and then that gave me the courage to sign up. So yeah, I, I, those are kind of the 
the memories that I have that I appreciate you from undergrad. So, yeah. So with that, I just wanted to maybe just ask a little bit about kind of how things are going right now. You know, you're in Boston now and serving out there. So, well, okay. Well, this past week, you know, some big news hit, right? So, you know, Grace Point officially announcing the name change, official shifts that are happening, kind of looking towards the future. Right. So now we're not Grace Point anymore and we're Acts 2 Network. And since you're the first person I'm interviewing after that happened, I guess I'll ask you, like, how you feel about how are you feeling about that right now? How is the how is Boston people feeling about that? And what what is the Boston College Ministries church name now since all the local churches are changing names? Yeah, first of all, I think I picked the, the wrong time to show up on your podcast. And <laughs> I, hopefully what I, so what I say Hopefully it does not appear somewhere online and whatever. But yeah. anyways, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about that. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, the, so for the Boston Church, we are so the, our local church is now called Reclaimer College Church. Huh. And so I don't know if people know, but you know, Ivy League schools, a lot of them, Harvard, Yale, all these places were first. They were birthed to raise up like preachers, like mm. you know, clergy, right? So. It's the the word reclaimer is to kind of reclaim the original kind of vision of these colleges because we're in the Northeast. And also there in Massachusetts, there was a revival called the Haystack Revival. Mm -hmm. You might have heard of it here and there from our church. And that happened here as well. So I think, yeah, just kind of putting that together, we thought reclaimer was a good name. Mm. And I think it really fits, yeah, Pastor Manny and Sonny's spirit too. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's our name, and you know I cannot speak to on behalf of the Boston Church, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I don't know how other people are feeling. <laughs> I mean, everyone's like excited, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, yeah, but I don't know. I think we've been sort of primed about this for some time now that like we are thinking about a name change and about different changes and it's been coming coming up for like a few months mm-hmm. so yeah i think it's it's not really a shock for anyone so so yeah yeah for myself how am i feeling so i'm a i'm a guy and i don't have a good touch with my emotions <laughs> so it's really and it's a hard question <laughs> yeah how, how do i feel is like always the hardest question <laughs> sorry i, I started I with the hardest wait. question <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, I, I mean, I think, I mean, when, I, when they first brought up this whole topic of about like the renaming from Grace Point to something else, and I think it was like the emphasis really wasn't like, the, what is the name? Is it going to be Grace Point or is it Acts 2? But I think the emphasis was more on like trying to capture our current reality better, hmm. right? So yeah. we say it's like a Grace Point church or Grace Point churches, but then a vast majority, like not majority, but a good chunk of our uh, team and post-grad members are not part of college ministry or like in a traditional church setting. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, for me, I feel like the, the emphasis is more on network. Mm-hmm. Like we are a network now kind of thing. but And that sort of captures more of who we are mm-hmm. at the moment. So so it's it's not like an identity shift, but it's more like I think redefining or re or clarifying. I think our identity. So yeah, I don't know. That's sort of a how I approach it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the name has to catch up with who we've become, and so you know I, I guess I've I've had the benefit of like being part of these discussions for the like over a year now, and I feel really excited kind of going into the future as we capture who we, who we are right now, like as a network. And even even the little tagline, the definition of like, because it used to be we're a network of collegiate churches and parachurch ministries fueled by co-vocational ministers. But now we've changed that to be Extra Network is a network of ministry teams and co-vocational ministers. So I, I think that's just accurately reflects who we are. And as we kind of adjust into yeah. our new realities, it's going to, let us be more agile and kind of responsive to like local realities as well as changing culture. So yeah, overall, I don't know. I feel like super excited for, and, and I think that, you know, even though like I, at first I thought that like the local churches changing their names would be like, I don't know, more 
sad for people. I mean, and I think there is maybe a sense of sadness, but overall, at least from Chicagoland, I'm feeling a sense of excitement and still like a lot of unity because we're still tied as the Axio network together. So yeah, overall feels pretty good. So yeah, and the Reclaimer, I, I love that because I, I actually had a chance to tour a lot of those sites in Massachusetts as well as just in the, in the greater Northeast area because I helped create that documentary about college revivals. And it's super interesting because we had a, a, a couple visit our Sunday service this past Sunday. And they're actually, so the, the wife is a, the older sister of a student who used to come out to our church. And so she, you know, and she recently moved to the area. And so then she was just checking out our service. And the, the, they went to Princeton and Williams College. And Williams College is the site of the Haystack yep. Revival. So, yeah, anyways, that, that was really random. And I was just reminded of, of, of all the, like, history that's there. So I think Reclaimers is super awesome. So we've talked to for a while now, but you haven't really had a chance to introduce yourself. So maybe could you just tell us about yourself, just basics, your family, where you're living now, what ministry, what do you do for a living? Yeah, so my name is Mike, and I, I was born in South Korea, Seoul, South Korea. And I immigrated when I was 12 to Philly. I, I was actually supposed to live in Boston, but ended up in Philly. And then we moved to San Diego. That's where I went to high school, middle school and high school. Went to college at UC Berkeley. That's where I met DP. And so after that, yeah, there I became Christian in college. And so after graduation, I served at our church for 10 years. And then a couple of years ago, we moved out here with a, a team to start a, a church here in Boston. Mm. And so we've been we're going into our third year now here in Boston. And yeah, it's been an exciting journey. And I am in the tech industry. I work as a QA. I was working for a company that's now known as X. <laughs> um, that's right. And then... <laughs> Yeah, when, uh, the no comment on that. Happened, which was, it was this interesting story in and of itself. But after that, I am at a place called Calendly. They do scheduling and stuff. So yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah, they and won't we go through anything traumatic like that. <laughs> yeah, and we scheduled this meeting on Calendly. So thank you, Calendly. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank. Oh, you you were yeah, there so nice. at at X when Elon Musk took over, right? That was. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was it was amazing. That, I'm crazy. sure that was a have, turbulent time in your life. It was a very turbulent time of my professional career, yes. It was very interesting. Should I tell the story? Sure. Uh, what, yeah, sure. I mean, that's but, very uh, unique. <laughs> yeah, it's very unique, right? So the news that Elon confirmed to be the new owner of Twitter was like supposed to happen on Friday. So I think that happened on Friday. And then Friday, I'm just like, I got stuff to do. So I, I logged off. And then over the weekend, I saw a couple of like calendar invites, invites come in for like these all hands or all department meeting and stuff. I was like, oh, what, what is that? And so on Monday, I log in. And uh, so then there's a whole, you know, all department meeting. And basically the messaging is, all right, so we need to get this feature out the door by this week, by Friday in one week. And if we kind of miss that time, then people are going to be let go. That was sort of like the messaging. Wow. And so it's like, okay. And so then, and then it's like the whole company was going to work around the clock. So basically the expectation is we work until basically midnight. And then when it's midnight for us, people in other parts of the world will take over and they'll work while we sleep and then we pick it back up the hmm. next day and that kind of thing and so yeah but it was like it's just a really like unprofessional like very like the requirements kept changing all the time just on a whim like he would tweet about like oh hey like this is gonna be like this <laughs> he'll hear back from some people and it's like okay now it's gonna be like this and now it's gonna be like that and it kept changing within the, like those first couple of days it was kind of crazy wow. but you know, everyone's working hard and, you know, not that I care so much about the work itself, but, you know, I didn't want to, you know, put my team like on jeopardy. So I was trying to work hard too, but on around Thursday, so on Friday, we were supposed to release this thing. And on Thursday, it's like eerily quiet on Slack because up until that point, it was just like, you know, war room. It's kind of going crazy, but, and then 
I got an invite from a coworker to a Signal app, which is like a you know encrypted messaging app, and then I joined it, and it was like just all of our team member teammates, basically no managers kind of thing. Dang. And wow. then basically hearing like, oh yeah, it's like one of my teammates, like you heard from a friend in legal, like saying like, yeah, even if we get this feature out the door, it doesn't stop the layoffs or whatever. Anyway, so I mean, things have been sort of trickling down. So mm. on Thursday night, I was still kind of being a good employee and I'm, <laughs> I'm working. And then one of the developers asked me, oh, hey, could you help me reproduce this issue? And so I was like, oh, okay, let's jump on a, a Google Hangout call. Hmm. And so then I opened the, you know, I jumped on the call with him. And then the the Google, you know, I had my camera on, but then it kind of went black. Hmm. And then it says internet connection lost. So I was like, oh, what, what is this? And then I switched over to Slack just to like try to message him like, oh, like my Google Hangout's not working. But, and then my Slack just logged off. <laughs> Oh my! Like, and then and then I knew I was like, okay. And so starting on Thursday night, they started shutting off people's access. So I got that, and I was like, all right, I guess I'm done. <laughs> so that was it, and yeah. And then after that, it was just a flurry of just messaging hmm. from the team members that are kind of anxious, and yeah like seeking like legal advices and all of that. But anyway, so hmm. that was my interesting. Wow. Week. So and yeah, so I have no, I have not that I had any desire, but I have no more desire to buy a Tesla. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I just, just have a, left a bad taste yeah. in your mouth there. <laughs> Wait, so yeah. that was the, that and, was the layoff. Yeah. Like it just happened basically. Like they just didn't like tell you. Right. It, yeah, so they, they said the messaging was like, basically, if you are going to be let go, you're going to get an email to your personal email on Friday. Uh, and oh, if I you're going to stay on, you'll get you get an email in your Twitter inbox on Friday. Dang. But before Friday, they started just shutting people's access off. Just I probably didn't want anybody to sabotage anything. Oh, maybe. I see. Interesting. Wow. Well, there you have it. There's a... So, yeah. First there person testimony of how it was on the inside. I'm sure that's not. Yeah, hopefully, no reporters listen to listen this. To this? Uh, I, I don't think so. Yeah, share I, don't, this with other people. I don't think Deepod yeah. has that much of a reach. So, but may, who knows? May, maybe after what you shared, this will just go public. So, who knows? Yeah, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Can you edit this out? Actually, <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe we can. I mean, kind of related to that, I guess maybe we can talk a little bit about you know, co-vocational ministry and how that's been for you. Cause you know, that is a, a huge like engine and, or, or kind of a huge value for us at our church, like people engaged in people loving gospel preaching ministry on top of, you know, like, you know, of course we have our day jobs and things like that to support ourselves and our families, but yeah, just wanted to kind of explore that with you. So what, what ministry are you involved in right now in Boston? And, and then maybe you can tell us a little bit about like your family life as well, because that's a big part of kind of balancing, I guess, ministry and, and life. So yeah, like your your kids and your wife and things like that. Yeah, so I am I am sort of like a free agent right now, I guess. <laughs> so how should I say? So we had a little bit of a restructuring in the Boston church. And so we had some like old people like myself, like with a couple kids, so we kind of have this role of a staff care specialist role now hmm. and maybe not doing as much of like driving a ministry forward with strategizing and things like that, but being available to, yeah, just help with different staff care needs or other kind of the church-wide needs and things like that. But I am also loosely, I don't know about loosely. So I'm in a tribe where there, there's a big focus, a good number of staff focusing on Northeastern University. Mm. I know in Chicago, there's Northwestern, but in Boston, there's Northeastern. <laughs> and so we have a bunch of staff doing that. And then we have a few staff doing uh, Tufts University, as well as some West Side schools, including Babson, Brandeis, Wellesley, Bentley, and such. And so I, so I have sort of my finger on all of these schools, but not like I, I don't have like an assignment to it or anything. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it's not, maybe not like a very 
typical or usual sort of a setup, but but yeah. So so in that setup, do you do you go to those campuses as well, or are you are you sort of taking care of the staff that go to those campuses and advising them? Oh yeah, a little bit of both. So I mean, the fall is upon us. So even last night, we kind of stayed up like until near midnight to kind of plan for the Northeastern Welcome Night, mm. and I'm planning to be there. I'm actually going to be coming back from retirement and running sound there. So we'll wow. see how that goes. <laughs> nice. And so, yeah. <laughs> and last Friday, we took a tour of Babson University, which is on the opposite side and on the west side. So, so yeah, I'm sort of there and, you know, meet students as I can too. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a little different from, I think, what we've been used to or right. what I've been used to, which is like I have – I have I have a dedicated campus and that's that's what I do kind of thing. Mm. But yeah, I think I'm I'm also kind of excited to see how things will play out. And I think you know one one thing that I've like felt as I had an assignment of a specific campus. Like so, when I first came to Boston, like I you know I was doing Tufts University as my main focus, and my sort of my sense of significance felt like very tied to quote-unquote success or failure of this one ministry or mm. like you know but i think just having just knowing more campuses here in boston and you know knowing different students from different places kind of yeah. causes me to open up about that a little bit more so mm. so yeah yeah that's neat that's exciting and then what what about your you have two kids right you have elijah and eleanor yeah. is that right yeah so elijah's three and eleanor's one and a half wow are they are they potty trained yet <laughs> So Elijah is almost there. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, he's he hasn't been very good with number two yet, but with number one, he's pretty much there. Solid. Like 97, 98%. Yeah. Solid. We've been having a really hard time with Lucas because Lucas is 3-2, and he's like 90% there, but he's like still wetting his bed every night. During the daytime, he's okay, but at oh. nighttime, at nighttime, he's been struggling. Oh, you know, it's because, yeah, it's because I cheat and I put pull up on him overnight. So. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, sorry, I can't do that right now. <laughs> oh man, maybe I should do that, dude. It's been hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Overnight, I just like, I'm sorry, bro. Yeah. I'm just yeah, you're think, on your pull up. I think we're washing his sheets five days out of seven right now. <laughs> Oh my! Yeah, I'm about to give up too. Oh, power to you. Well, it's I'm it's because I'm a weak sauce. I'm a, I'm a weak sauce parent, so that's why I just oh, cut, cut corners. It's, it's nice. I mean, you know, eventually, one of my students was telling me, eventually, I I grew out of it too. And I was like, is that supposed to come from me? <laughs> I guess. Okay. Yeah. I guess we all grew out of it at some point. So I so, hope so. I hope so. Like with with Elijah, though, I was like almost in despair. I was like, I don't think you're going to be potty trained until you're 18 or something. <laughs> but it's just some somehow he started doing it. So I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Oh, I, you know, I hope that Elijah doesn't listen to this one day. <laughs> but uh, uh, It's okay. <laughs> what, what, do you, what have you enjoyed most about being like a father? And then what's been, what's been hard about that? I think being a father definitely, it's just when I spend time with my kids, and they're happy and they're smiling. Mm. There's just kind of nothing like that. I mm. think just very. It's, I guess it's very simple, but kind of melts me. And sometimes, like, like, but I I would spend time with my kids, and they're not good, and then I get super frustrated. Mm. And then, but before I go to bed at night, I just open up my phone app or <laughs> photos app, and I just look at some of their photos mm. when they're smiling and stuff. Then I feel very good again <laughs> so and then yeah. Jen, jenny points out like you're just you're just looking at their photos and you're feeling good it's like oh well <laughs> i guess i don't know it's better than not but feeling anyway, good i guess yeah. so yeah better than yeah better than being frustrated all the time yeah. i guess yeah but i think the yeah hardest part i'm not sure about Many things are hard, so I, and I haven't thought through that far to kind of rank how hard each of these things are. But I think as a parent, one of the challenges that I didn't expect when, before I had kids was a sense of like 
comparison and insecurity. Mm. So like when maybe not, not, it doesn't even have to necessarily be a comparison, but just a people consciousness. Mm. When my child in public is not like behaving well mm. and I like, because I feel tied and I feel like, not that anyone is or might be, but I feel judged or mm. like, you know, like, oh, like, what if they see me, like, a, as a bad parent who doesn't have control over his child and, or maybe he doesn't discipline this kid well kind of thing. And so, yeah, I think that sort of internal murmurs and voices, I think that was kind of hard to kind of adjust to at first. Because, I mean, from all my life, I think I've been, like, okay. I mean, not, like, the best, but... Mm. I can kind of, you know, get through life on my own. I felt pretty self-sufficient. And, but yeah, with, with kids was, it kind of hit me in a very different way. So mm. yeah. And Elijah, when he came to Boston a couple of years ago, he just turned one. Oh man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he turned, he turned one day after he came, but then he had been a COVID baby. So he was born in lockdown and like he hadn't had much like interactions with people. And now we landed here with like 90 other people. Mm. And so he was dying, kind of going crazy all the time. And so I felt very insecure. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> stop crying. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I think I just had to also learn like, you know, that's, there's some things outside of my control, you mm. know? And so anyway, yeah, that's yeah. still a lear- learning process, but. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. No, that's that's super relatable too. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely felt that like we over-identify, and we take things like personally. Yeah. And, and so, how how have you how have you sort of like processed that? I guess or like, like like what helps you to like get out of that? I think at first it was just good to hear from other people. I think people older than me, and so in the beginning in Boston we had the benefit of having people like Joe and Irene mm. and Josh and Jackie, they would kind of, you know, give us some parenting advice and, and kind of also, you know, touch upon those kinds of aspects too. And, you know, talking to Pastor Manny and Sonny has been helpful. And just to, yeah, get the perspective from people who have gone through it already mm. and they kind of, they know what it's like, even as like, you know, encouraging younger staff might be, like it's not an experience they can really identify with or be able to understand to that kind of extent. Right, right. Right. So, yeah. And so, yeah, just kind of processing through hearing from older ones has been the most helpful, I think. Hmm. And now that I've, you know, had those kinds of talks and when I do feel that way, I think I just need to, yeah, not not listen to my own emotions Hmm. and like my sense of like, you know, accusations like, oh man, that's because of what, like I did this or I, I didn't do that kind of thing. But right. I just need to assess the situation and find the way forward, whether it's discipline or whether it's just, you know, I need to just process it or, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My, my experience, like, you know, talking, it's always been helpful for me to talk to like older ones too. Like just to, just to even have the perspective that like, hey, like this is not, so crazy like other people have gone through this just then you at least yeah. know like okay like at least I, i'm in the realm of human experience that like people other people have experienced and then and then you know often they'll give yeah. like my experiences they give like very practical like like hey like why don't you just try this you know and then it's like and then it kind of removes the drama at least for me like because I, I i guess just so focused on like oh i'm not doing a good job or like you know, like, hey, like, how come I'm responding like this? Like, how come I'm so frustrated? But then usually they'll help me, like, move towards, like, a more practical response so that, like, I can actually help improve the situation. So I have found that to be helpful. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. So, you know, the people who listen to this podcast, they're, like, mostly people from 18 to 27, according to my Spotify. I oh, guess. Wow. Yeah. So it's, like, younger people. So what what piece of advice would you have? Like, what what do you wish, like, when you were... I guess younger and single or maybe even just married without kids, like what do you wish you had done to prepare for, like prepare more for a, this season in your life when maybe your capacity is more limited because you have to, you know, take care of and, and, and mind your, your kids and your family and, and your work and things like that. I think there's a lot of things, but I, I, want, I do want to say maybe 
you'll never feel prepared, I guess. Mm. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, not just to even take that sense of like, oh, I need to be at this kind of level to not be a, a maybe a crushing burden. I don't know, like, you know, kind of like getting married, like no one's ever truly feel ready to, you know, get married, mm. I think. But you just kind of it happens and then you sort of grow into it. And I think same same thing with the parenthood. And it was like way harder than I I imagined, even mm. though I've been like thinking and dreaming about having a family of my own since I was in elementary school. Like oh, I kind of really? had sort of a <laughs> wow. uh, yeah plan laid out. I was I was like, I'm going to mar- get married by 26 or something and my, have my first child by 28, those kinds of things. I mean, none of that, that didn't really come to fruition. But the point was that, yeah, even though I thought about it for a while, mm. and that's sort of like, that's been sort of one of my hopes in my life. It, when it happened, I was like totally not ready. Mm. So, so w- like one example is that when my first child, Elijah, was born, and like after we came home, like we we're sleeping overnight, and he's like waking up like every hour, or sometimes like he's just crying for like a few hours straight from like, you know, 2 a.m. to whatever. And I was like so frustrated. <laughs> like I changed you, I fed you, like you're dry, like like what is going on? And so <laughs> I was like totally at loss. I was so frustrated. And then and then that's when I realized like, you know what? Like if you're alive, you should be thankful for your parents. Thankful to your parents. Mm. <laughs> like <laughs> like they they kept you alive. Yeah. Like that you think that's like, uh, you know, an easy thing to do and it's not. And so I was just like, okay, mad, mad respect to any parent. And if you're alive, mm. you should be thankful to your parents. Mm. But Amen. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So how do we begin? How did I, how did I get here? Uh, the, the, the question was advice, advice. And so I think you were saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you're not going to feel ready, but I think there are practical things and definitely whether you are a, a, uh, a brother or sister, I think just a competence in the kitchen is very important. Mm. Like very important because not, not so much because, uh, so it's, it's those little things that we think, oh, like, oh, it's like, you know, not, not such a big deal. When our capacity gets so pushed out, then even those little things become such a drama and a friction. Mm. So like, you know, if you're like, if you're just, a single and like you have all the time in the world like you kind of roll out of your bed and like maybe you don't even make yourself a breakfast or whatever and you just eat whatever junk food and you feel okay for the rest of the day but then when you have this child that you want to like provide a you know something nutritious and not like you know cheetos or something <laughs> then you need to make that while this you know kid might be pooping or something and like there's something else going on and whatever and it's like Oh man, like, you know, so just, I think because, yeah, competence in the kitchen, like, like, do you know how to make, you know, just a fried egg with no drama, or multiple fried eggs without drama? Like, without having to comes, think, kind of think about it so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, without, yeah, without, without even have to think about it. Yeah. Like, don't like crack an egg in before like the pan is hot kind of thing. Like, learn some basic skills. And I think probably kitchen is probably the best way to start. Mm-hmm. And, I think one one other thing is just for me to have read a lot more. That's just in general. But after I have kids, I just don't find much time for me to just sit down and read or anything. So mm. definitely, yeah. If you have if you find yourself some time now, I think yeah, read read the Bible or read other books and yeah, just utilize that time. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'll just start there. I'll just end there. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's definitely true that you don't you're not ready for these things when you transition into new roles, but yeah, you can do those practical things to to at least increase your chances that you won't crash and burn, I guess. Yeah. That's sort of what it comes down to. So Yeah. And I think uh-huh. yeah, maybe just to add one one last thing is just to I think have a lower activation energy when it comes to like doing stuff in the house, I think. Basically chores and yeah. Just hmm. just putting that out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So just just move towards it, right? Like, don't wait until things pile up or you know you need a good excuse to do it. Like, you just just do it if you see something. Yeah. 
So we'll get a little bit okay, into. I'm a fraud for saying that, but. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. We all are. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm a fraud for saying that, yeah. but hey, hey, it's true still. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> as a fr- as one fraud, you know, just I said, don't do, don't be like me, and yeah, just <laughs> nice. be quick. Thank you. Thanks, Mike, for your honesty there. So we'll talk about, we'll get into a little bit of like your spiritual background and your story. But before we do that, we'll, we'll do a little like change in topic here. And I'm just going to ask you how you feel about Messi playing in the U.S. now in Inter Miami. Man, what should I say? <laughs> I actually have no idea what you're going to say. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's many clashing thoughts in my mind. Yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. But I just want to say that Jesus is Lord. Wow. Lord overall. Wow, it's and, like causing you to worship. And, <laughs> yeah, it was just that. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm just saying where where he leads, I'll go. And even though like I really want to pay like whatever $600 to go watch Messi in the US. Oh, but see. hey, I will be available where Jesus needs me to be available. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's just it's okay. Yeah. You know? And that is that right there is a picture of surrender. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll see Messi in heaven, but I'm sure there might be better people there. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. That's funny. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. But I, th- I am very, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty <coughs> crazy. I can't believe that happened. So pretty, yeah, pretty crazy. And I think that's a, maybe a segue for me to say that I think soccer or football is getting big in America. And I know, like, still our church, the big dominant sport is basketball, but it's it's time for that to change. I think, <laughs> yeah. Let me just wow. put that out there. Wow, it's it's been said. All right, there are some people who are listening to this. I I know who are very have, happy to hear. But hear I have that, no actually. power. I have, I have no I have no absolutely no power. So right, right, it's right. Okay, but I'm just I'm just saying. That's so funny. I think you actually once said that if you want to be good at any sport then soccer is the best sport to start with, that it is like the superior sport. Do you still think that? And wh- why is that? What was the reasoning again? You know, it was just something I said on the spot. There was, a, <laughs> oh, there was an icebreaker. There's an icebreaker question like, oh, if you're to give a TED talk right now, like what would it be? And so then I said, oh, why everyone should start playing soccer. Or that should be their first sport. And so, and then I gave a bunch of reasons that just came to my mind. And that's sort of what it was. But yeah, I I still think that. I, I still think that. And I still think that soccer is the the best sport in the world. And that's that's actually not a controversial saying at all. And unless you're very America centric, USA centric and America first, then yeah. So many hot takes that right throws now. it off for you. But <laughs> but hey. So yeah, I think it's good for you to, you know. Be out there on the field and experience the outdoors when you're little rather than being shut up indoors playing basketball <laughs> in, in a kind of a growing like a growing as a you know plant in a greenhouse and as the saying goes. And yeah, it's a full contact sport. So it's not like volleyball where you have two sides and like, oh, yay. And you do high fives every time you <laughs> score or don't score a point. And Keep going, and keep going. What, what other yeah, sports think, can we uh, tear down? <laughs> I mean, like American football, it's like they just, you know, took a, it's not even a football. They call it a football. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's an age old, you know, thing. So I'm not going to say anything about that. But, you know, I think about like football or like hockey, lacrosse, all of these things, like it just takes a lot of money. There's a, there's a big, you know, barrier to entry. So it's hard to make that like your first sport. And, and the, the biggest kicker though, kicker, <laughs> Is that the if you if you know how to play soccer, you can make friends anywhere in the world. You know that's if you want to be a missionary, you should learn soccer. Like, come on! Like, if you've been to Cambodia, if you've been to like the Southeast Asian countries, like you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been to Mexico, you know what I'm talking about. This is getting spiritual now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So hey, that, anyway, that, that's a pretty good argument, though. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good argument. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Wow. Yeah. So maybe maybe I'll have Emma do soccer. I'll, I don't know if she has the coordination. Oh for yeah. It, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's okay. Actually, like, in the at, at that age, it's just like yeah. In in the in the Philippines, we actually thought they would play soccer, but in the Philippines, basketball is the number one sport. No no one plays soccer there. It's kind of interesting, but I think that's the exception. 
I think you're right. Soccer unites oh, yeah. the world. An exception. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do they do boxing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's interesting. I don't know what else. Yeah. Dancing and dance too, I guess. Yeah, oh yeah, really that's a good that. segue. Dancing actually, because I wanted to ask you about that too. Oh my god. Because <laughs> I think I think when people think of Mike Park, there's a subset of people in our network who think of you as like the dancing guy from class of 2011. So. That's ever shrinking group with average age, like continually going on. That's so true. That I, that is true. But even even then, like yeah. Rise twenty twenty, like when when we made that music, I guess that was like three years ago. But you know, you sent out the template video, yeah, yeah. and you know, and so you, I think you spent like all day like recording those videos, right? Like how many different like tracks were there? I don't know. There were a lot. So so I guess definitively, like I think just on air, like do you actually enjoy dancing or is it like? Like one of these things that you do because of ministry, or like, do you actually enjoy it? Like, I want to be perfectly clear about this. I think I enjoy dancing, but I really don't like being on stage. Ah. I really, really, really don't like being on stage. Really? I'll just put. I'll just say that. That. Yeah. That's not what it looks like. But to it's people, just though. that. It, like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's that's what people say all the time. But I I must say. I really, really, really don't like being on stage. I see. Okay. <laughs> if if, I, if I'm dancing, I think the best place is like in the audience. Oh, just interesting. Like not seen, yeah, and just grooving, or you know, doing whatever. Nice. You know, at the Bros ATR, when there was like other performances were happening, I was just having a good time, and and you know, in the audience. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, moving my body and stuff, but <laughs> yeah, don't want to do that on stage. I see. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm totally okay with the fact that our peer class is not really asked to go on stage anymore, for, for those things. Well, I guess you guys went up, but not all of us had to. So, thank you for your sacrifice there. I tried to protect you guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, so, so out of okay, let me just, uh, just one more question about this topic. Okay, which is out of all the performances that you've ever done. So you know, even though you don't in, enjoy the performance on stage part, you've. I had to do it a lot for our church and ministry purposes over the years. What is like your favorite one that you've ever done? Favorite one? Wow. I'm I'm sort of going through the archives in my mind trying to see what, what did I do? Like, <laughs> Maybe I'll put a list of different performances on the show notes or something. No, please do not. Do that. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we should get rid of those things. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, for us, I think the most iconic was the Counting Stars one. Oh, yeah, yeah. But for me, because we did that like 17 times or something. Yeah. <laughs> I got tired of I it. I think the most memorable for yeah, was when we went down to L.A. for Isaac Song's wedding. Oh. And we did it there. And afterwards, who was it? Isaac's dad came up to us and then he he was really thanking us for, yeah, just uh, the picture of friendship. Hmm. And it wasn't just because of the dance. I think we sang a nice song too, so probably from that too. But Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So after that experience, I was like, oh, yeah, like I had a thought in my mind. It's like, yeah, just, you know, just even the simple act of giving it all at a friend's wedding hmm. can have like this kind of a, you know, touching impact. And so I was like, yeah. That, for me, that one stands out. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that culture that we have of like, you know, friends performing or doing something at people's weddings, like I think that's like a really beautiful aspect of our culture. And yeah, I think we just sort of take it for granted. But then pe- people on the kind of who don't normally experience that, I guess they're like really impacted by it. So I <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, but the uh, you know because you know for for our wedding, like you guys you know did a song and dance too, and. Like months later, like months, actually even years later, I think, like one of my coworkers was like, oh, yeah, we were like talking about something and then the wedding came up and then they were like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. It was like David and Katarina. Oh. Like, and then they started singing the, the lyrics to the song. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, wow, That's that amazing. like really left an impression on them, I guess. So it's kind of <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So I guess it's a ministry of sorts, you know, yeah, we do it too. To love our friends. So. Yeah, pre-evangelistic, yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Nice. And then one other random topic before we get into your, your kind of spiritual story is because, you know, people hear about D-Pod and, and then they think like this was kind of a brand new idea, like, wow, podcast, like whatever, like stuff like this. But then what they don't know actually is that that you, I think you were like the first or like one of the first podcasters at our church. Like you, I, I think it was during COVID or something, right? Like you, you actually started up a podcast like in Korean, right? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Like the or origin of that and kind of like wh why you started that and things like that? Yeah. This, so this was actually right before COVID. And it was, I think December of 2019 was when I first had the idea. Mm. So the idea originated from just me feeling kind of burdened for my grandmother who's mm. in Korea. And she's not a Christian and she doesn't really go to church. And it's also hard for me to like find times to like talk to her on the phone or like even like, you know, share the gospel and things like that. And I was just kind of looking for any content out there to see if like something I can share, like that, that can explain Christianity or just, you know, some kind of evangelistic content. Hmm. But at the time, I, it was really hard for me to find anything. Now I see a lot of YouTube content from Korean Christians with a different like apologetics and whatnot. And so that's cool. But at the time I didn't find anything. And it was usually just like, you know, if it's a Christian content, it's just like reading the Bible or yeah, QT or like quiet time kind of mm -hmm. things. And so I was like, oh man, it would be nice if I can just record something for my grandmother so that she can just listen to it on her own. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a lot, a lot of podcasts at the time. So, I mean, originally, I think my idea was to not just like, was to, to maybe simply to just record my me explaining the gospel. But I thought maybe it would be more engaging if I had like people I can talk to. So I recruited a couple guys, Josh Kin and Seth Kin. Mm. Josh is here with me in Boston, and Seth is. Uh, we, we were all in Berkeley at the time, mm -hmm. and so we, yeah, we. So I pitched the idea to them. They liked it. And so we, we started up. And so we kind of reformatted the course 101 into like four episodes. Hmm. And then we kind of, yeah, recorded that. And yeah, it's on it's on podcast. And we only stopped it because of the lockdown. So we started the January of 2020. And then I think lockdown started, like, I forget, like, maybe March or so. Mm. And that's when, like, we couldn't meet at the HB studio anymore. So then we was like, okay, whatever, we stopped. And then Josh and Seth, they were living together at the time. So they did the very last episode on their own, which I'm not sure about the quality. So, like, <laughs> yeah, but anyway. So anyway, so that that's sort of how we started it. But, yeah. Nice. So what do you, what... And, and then I know, like, for a brief while, you did, like, a, a peer podcast for, for a little bit. And, and that was, I remember when you were doing that, it was really fun to listen to. What do, what do you, do you have any thoughts on the podcast format? Like, you know, like, we, we started this. So in some ways, I think, like, what you, what you experimented with might have been, like, sort of a precursor to Depot starting. Because this, this started up in November. The idea came up in November 2022 when I was having, a, like, a, a different like a, like a little brainstorm meeting with some of the other full-time leads. And, and we were talking about how to get content out to students who are really busy and they don't really necessarily have time to meet with us several times a week. And there's a lot of like stories and values and things like that, that we want to share. But and then we thought that maybe podcasting might be a way to deliver that content. And so, yeah, so it's sort of been an experiment, I guess, but do you have any thoughts? I know you listen to like a lot of podcasts and things like that on like what the role of a podcast could be like as our church goes forward into the future. Yeah. And I, I really like listening to podcasts a lot. And I mean, for me, the, the trouble is this, like the finding a good one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I just have like, I, but then, well, the podcast itself. So one, I think one, there's one sort of, I think blockage in podcast world maybe is that, the, the content curation isn't very good or like, I don't know, it's just like you, like when you open up an app, like you basically only see stuff like the, the big stuff, you mm. know, like the celebrity podcasts and all of these things. And 
even if you search for things like, you know, you're not going to get the right results. So there's no, nothing like, yeah. So anyway, so it's in a sense, like there's a sense of there's so much out there, but there's like, you can't really find the ones that you want. So I, maybe that will be sort of, sort of solved by the, uh, the technology improvements and maybe even AI, I'm not sure, but mm. I do really like this idea of just asynchronous content. And I know that it's not something that's going to replace like face-to-face interactions and, or just even listening to a message being preached. Like we can't replace that with podcasts, but I think, yeah, just this sense of like communicating things in sort of a colloquial, ordinary way even by ordinary people. I think that's, there's some value to that. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if, you know, this podcast thing will continue on. Like it's like sort of a relatively new, even like format, I suppose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of been, it sort of came up and it started to boom. And then like TikTok came over and then now it's like reels and tiktoks and shorts and so the sort of the short form video format sort of took over again and so i'm not sure if like podcasts will continue to grow but like some form of like pull down content and i think that's that's really important even Mm. for our discipleship like going forward probably Mm. and so yeah i mean even before podcasts i I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks uh my commutes and things like that and i know a lot you know that's for people who I don't know feel busy, like that's sort of a one way to kind of get in those things, even in our busy schedules. So, yeah, we should definitely have some form of, you know, podcasts or, you know, these kinds of things hmm. as a church. I think. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing those thoughts. So, so I, we don't have like too much time left. So I did want to get into a little bit of your just your spiritual background a little bit. So maybe you can just quickly tell us about like what your background spiritual background was like coming into college and then maybe like how you got connected to our church in college yeah so i was not a believer growing up and when i immigrated to america in middle school we kind of got took care of by our uncle and aunt's family and they were christians so they first took our family out to church and then when we were in san diego my parents were sort of reached out to by a Korean couple from the church. And and that's how I started going to my youth group. And there I had a really good time, made a lot of friends, you know, Korean friends for the first time since I came to America. They're more mainly Korean Americans, but you know, that's you know, close enough. And that's in eighth grade, I went to a youth retreat and that's where I thought I became a Christian. Hmm. And after that point, I, I told people, oh, I'm a Christian. There was a lot of, you know, the youthful jumping up and down over presets. And I forgot, like, I don't remember any content, but I just, I just remember coming away, like saying, oh, I'm a Christian. And then, so I kind of came, so that carried on in high school. Like I served as like a youth council member and things like that. Not because I was spiritual, but because you know, I'm just a faithful attendee and in youth group, that's, that's pretty good. And so, yeah, so I came to college thinking, yeah, I'm a Christian and I I got connected to our church by somebody who used to go to our youth group back in home at my home church. And so I just got connected. My I didn't have a concept of church hopping. Like I didn't really that wasn't really a thing in my mind. So this was the first church I came to. I thought it was pretty good, so I just stuck with it. Hmm. And my sophomore year I went to a winter retreat and that's when I finally realized, oh, what it means that I'm a sinner because so I've been going to church since I was in middle school, but the concept of sin and saying I'm a sinner was never really something I understood. Hmm. And not that it was even like emphasized. And so, and through my time at our church, first couple of years, that was sort of made clear. And at the at the winter retreat, I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm a sinner. I, I need Jesus. And I think that was my first time decision. And so, yeah, so that's when I became Christian and started serving at our church since then so Hmm. yeah yeah and so as you think about like your journey with christ since then you know gosh it's you know i guess since that decision it's been like 16 years and so as you think about 
like, let's just hone in on your college years, though. Like, as you think about what God was doing in your life, like, in college, like, like how would you characterize that? Yeah, I think one big thing, I mean, other than my own salvation that he worked and just a sense of just yeah, growing in my understanding of just him and the gospel, I think one big way is to kind of forge me into the people. And I think it's it's not a coincidence that I found a church like ours. I, I don't know. It's it's our church is very unique in a sense of just that that there's a community, right? The Acts mm. to community. And I I mean I've been to church a lot since I was in middle school. It's just that was never the flavor that I knew. And I came here and it's like, wow, this feels very different. But when I read the Bible, that seems to be what it looks like. And for I think ever since I immigrated here, I had the sense of like, oh man, like I need to kind of make it on my own. And I cannot trust other people. Like just my relationships are basically there for me to kind of take advantage of, maybe not in such sinister terms, but basically like get whatever I can so that I can move on to the next thing and the next thing and next thing. Hmm. And so even when I came to college and started coming to our church, I had a kind of a very stiff arm approach to relationships because I didn't want to get too close because I know that after these four years, I'm going to be gone somewhere else and I probably won't see you guys ever again. So mm. I was just kind of like being cordial and nice. But like at the end of the day, I didn't really care about people. But I think as I, I got plugged into our church and even as I became Christian at our church, I think the the big way that God worked in my life is to kind of root me in the people, you know, mm. and yeah, you know, it's, you know, as the Bible says, like, you know, you were no, you, you were not a people. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people, and that's sort of the the work that He did. I think in college years, hmm. that sort of rooted rooted me here. You know, connected to my leaders and to peers like you, and you know, even the younger ones that I got to minister to or just you know love on. And that's I think what that work really carries me on until now. I think so. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's what I can say about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's like a really powerful experience that maybe a lot of us share, you know, cause I, as I think about my own story too, like I, I totally, I'm such an individualistic person, like just naturally, I guess, personality wise. And I still struggle with that yeah. a lot. And, but then, but then like just understanding, like, I don't know how many times, you know, we were, you know, we, we heard messages on the fact that you get saved into a people, right? And and it's not just between you and yeah. God. And that part of how the sanctification process happens is through the people of God, through the church. And so I, I can definitely testify and say that that's been my experience and that's been your experience. And, you know, as we like commit ourselves, as we covenant ourselves with these people around us and try to live out the call to follow Jesus together, like that togetherness allows mm-hmm. us to go like a lot farther than we ever would have maybe on our own. Like I, I, I think I would have like either burnt out or, or just, you know, lost hope to actually live out the Christian life like a lot sooner. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think just mm-hmm. to add one last thing is I, this imagery that we've heard from, I think Kelly was, you know, at a campfire, like you see a log by itself and if it's on fire, it's just going to burn out really quickly and die. But if you put a bunch of locks together, then you're going to burn brighter and you're going to last longer. Mm. And I think that's sort of the picture that, you know, we are trying to strive for. And so, yeah, I think that's just a cool imagery that that helps me. And hopefully it will help, you know, whoever hasn't heard that imagery before. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Maybe as we wrap up, last question is something I've been asking the peers that I know I've interviewed so far, which is as you think about. So post-college, okay, so like post-college, it's been 12 years. So as you think about how God's led you the past 12 years, what's what's something you're grateful for? Like what's something you're thankful for? I know I'm sure there's a lot, but yeah, if you just had to sum it up. And then what's like, what's like a regret that you have? Yeah, I think one thing I'm just thankful for is just simply his mercy over me. And I just, yeah, I don't know how I have received grace and, you know, even just daily, you know, I experience my own sinfulness and man, like 
how much I fall short. It amazes me that he still puts up with me. <laughs> hmm. Not that he, you know, he's begrudgingly puts up with me, but it just, yeah, I'm just amazed that he, yeah, he's so merciful towards me, and yeah, that, I, yeah, he still invites me to do his work, and yeah, really thankful for for that. I think, and I think one regret, maybe, mm, there's a, I mean, there's a lot, but. Yeah, I think one regret is maybe maybe not having taken more risks in my 20s. So now that I'm a, a father of two and just feels just life is slowed down, not not because like, you know, I'm I'm relaxing. It's just that I feel like I'm carrying more stuff on me mm. so I can't move as fast and, I, you know, I can't, you know, whatever. So I think in that sense, like, yeah, I, one regret might be that yeah if well man if i had given more when i was in my 20s like at least i could have that kind of experience but but yeah anyway but well you know one thing though i i've been telling so a couple guys that i've been ministering to here in your 20s i think you experience a lot of discouragements maybe Hmm. a lot of setbacks maybe more stuff comes out like oh like you didn't realize you were this way but you are and kind of get discouraged and disappointed and things like that and kind of the you know it, the bubble pops and that you know that's a good thing in a way that it sort of humbles you and you know reality checks you but that can sort of i guess discourage you from feeling like god can use you in a, in a bigger way but one thing that's i've been thinking about from just the story of moses recently was that you know moses had like lots of good potential he had like raw materials you know in in him and he's that kind of a a savior kind of guy like he you know he kills that egyptian and you know you know in midian like he rescues people and so he had it in him but that's not the moses that god was trying to use Mm. and so then i mean it says that like he was probably 40 when he fled egypt and I think in Acts it says like he's been, you know, he was he was a shepherd in Median for 40 more years. So basically when God showed up to him as in a burning bush, he was like 80 years old. Mm. And that's when like God's like, I'm going to use use this guy. And so who knows, like maybe you're you haven't peaked yet. <laughs> you know, you maybe your peak is going to be 80. Who knows? Like, so let's not get discouraged, but kind of see what we go through as a chiseling process and so yeah in terms of regrets i think even the regrets of me me not having taken those steps in the past like in a sense like oh i can like kind of feel discouraged and down about all of that but Mm -hmm. hey like but let's not you know dwell in the past but you know god can you know god that's a way of god you know chiseling me and you know purifying me and so that i can be a better you know instrument in the future even when i'm in 80 like or 90 who knows hmm. so so yeah anyway i don't know and that's uh, that doesn't really answer the question but just wanted to put that out there i guess yeah no it's really interesting that you say that because as you started sharing i was thinking about moses too and, uh, and and then kind of what you ended with i was thinking about you know in philippians 3 where it says to forget what lies behind and then the t- to strain forward to what lies ahead and you know there's like the the regrets or whatever that we have but I think, yeah, recently I've been thinking about the fact that, like, I think God has, like, a lot more in store for us in the future, N- not just as a church, but, mm-hmm. like, for each of us personally. And, yeah, and then, you know, I recently learned that, like, you know, Tim Keller, like, he didn't write his first book until he was, like, 57 or something like that. And so, this, in some ways, the most productive yeah. <laughs> times of his life were, you know, in the last, like, 15 years of his life, after he had, like, almost 60 years of training from the Lord, so th- th- I don't know. Th- I find that really encouraging. So like everything that we're going through, all the things that, you know, like the successes we experience, the, the the failures that we experience, whatever. Like like if we just keep opening ourselves up to hear from God, then like I feel like God can use all of it to. Yeah, I don't know. As I guess as as long as we're open, like as long as we're open handed with our lives, like God will use us, in whatever way He has planned mm-hmm. for us. So that can be a a great comfort. So yeah. Yeah. Any Amen. any last words before we do the outro? Any like, I don't know, anything come to mind? Yeah. 
if you want to learn how to play soccer, feel free to come over to Boston and you can find me out if you want to. And I'll be glad to run a, yeah, just a, a soccer camp for staff and students. So oh, let me know. Dude, that sounds pretty fun, actually. I think we need that. We have a, we have a, a, a second year on our team, second year sister who, who really loves soccer and she gets super excited every time we play, which is not that often. So, <laughs> so I'm sure she'll be happy. Yeah, she'll check that Chicago Fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I actually haven't been yet. Some of our staff went. But anyways, th- thanks for your time, Mike. Really appreciate it. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to... This week's episode of D-Pod. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mike. And like he said, I guess if you want to learn soccer, you can go to Boston. Yeah, sounds good. See you guys next time. Bye.